0: everyone and welcome back to a pint with peter an informative and somewhat comedy podcast where me and my friend chris sit down with my dad peter and have a bit of a chat now the last few episodes came to you at the dawning of a new lockdown and this one should be coming to you at the end of it because boris has come out and said covid is taking a break for christmas cheers all around on that one Now I should probably kick off this episode with a bit of a public apology to my sister who growing up was always the hardcore music fan and was even in a few semi-successful rock bands but we didn't even bring that up once so I'm going to put it down to a bit of sibling rivalry showing through. This week on the podcast we will be continuing our chat about music and we will also be diving into subcultures. We were all part of one at one point in our lives so let's see if we chat about one that you were a part of and on that... Let's get back to it.
1: What you had following uh, Bill Haley, you obviously had Elvis Presley. I mean, Elvis Presley, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the guy when when he was young. I mean, he, he was, you know, Uber handsome, yeah, and also yeah. very, very sexy. And the way he moved was very, very sexually provocative. So you didn't have the rampant violence, you had the kind of rampant, uncontrolled potential for unbridled sex kind of thing, are yeah. you, you with me? Yeah. yeah. And, and Elvis, you know, for a time was massive. Now what, what you had with Elvis, early Elvis, you've got some great images of him there. I don't, I don't you didn't seem to know much about this, but when I was a kid, Although I lived in, I didn't live in a big city. It was a bit of a backwater. Around that time, you had the emergence of the Teddy Boys. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, totally I was, I'm that. fortunate because where I lived, I never felt under serious threat from Teddy Boys. But Teddy Boys, don't forget, post-war, if your hair was, you know, even over your ears, you'd be in trouble. And the Teddy Boys didn't have particularly long hair, but what they did. They used to brill cream it back. back it, mm. Do you know what brill cream is? Yeah. It's like like a kind of white, uh, horrible, stinky hair gel. <laughs> and cool. they used to push the hair back into what was called a duck sauce, a DA. So they had the DA and they'd have these enormous sideburns. Yeah? Yeah. And they'd wear um, the classic, that's what I said to Chris when he came in. They had, they had what were called drapes. So you had like a long coat which was... That's why they are called Teddy Boys, because it was a kind of coat that an Edwardian man would uh-huh. have worn from a previous era. Uh-huh. I never knew yeah. I thought it was the yeah. Yeah. to do with teddies. <laughs> that's what... No, nothing to do with teddies. On on the contrary. I and mean, I had a bootlace tie, probably drainpipe yeah. jeans, and possibly Winkle Pickers. Do you know what Winkle Pickers are? No. Very, no, very, no. very, very pointed shoes. Uh-huh. Um... Kind of and and, and, and unfortunately like so like so cool. like most youth cults because it probably in this country was one of the first i don't I don't know if you call it major i mean i think every town would have had its teddy boys mm. but they they were well known for violence yeah so they use bike chains and razors <laughs> and such like out with the warriors <laughs> uh knuckle dusters you know it's really heavy duty the thing is i, I think i think what's hard for you guys to understand, although there is violence about, um, if you speak to, you know, Julie, who had older brothers, going out for a scrap would have been quite common, wouldn't it, Jim?
0: Yeah, like, I'm sure she said her brother Phil would go out with his mod mates. Yeah, was that, that was that scrap. was
1: a little bit late, yeah, but, 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 but Ted certainly would, uh, you know, indulge in, in fire. I mean, I was watching, uh, I was listening uh, and and looking last night, funnily enough, uh, this is about three podcasts down the line, about the early punk scene in Manchester, which was really interesting. I read about six articles. And I've kind of put them all together in my head. But amazingly, you know, the punk scene was... Don't let me get deflected here. So I want to talk, <laughs> okay. about, uh, talk about the teddy I'll books. bring you back. Yeah, but well... the punk scene in Manchester, it began in London, obviously, was... I don't think it's apocryphal. It was kicked it, it, it was all started by a, a gig at the Free Trade yeah. Hall where the Sex Pistols played. And, well, it's, and now a it's just it's a just bell. rolling out something that's become almost bald in the retelling. But apparently there were only about 30 people. But there. everyone claims to have been there. Yeah. <laughs> so you would have had you know early members of the Buscocks. I think Morrissey was there. Yeah. Certainly, you know the guys from Joy Division were there. Blah blah. When. You delve into the history of punk, particularly in Manchester, which is where I lived. Um, you still had teddy boys. You still had the res- either the residual teddy boy, you know, who, if you think about it, it, would have been in their 40s. Yeah. yeah. And again, I think you could have a whole podcast on this. Certain people get marooned in time, they have a particular set of, of loves and passions. And they don't change. No, yeah, because even now you see the old punk, the old goth. Yeah.
0: And if you go to
1: Wales, we go often to quite remote parts of Wales, you do see old hippies. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. You
1: do see old hippies. But what interests me is around that punk time, you didn't just have the odd probably 40-plus, even 50-plus Ted who'd never given up the Ted ethos. You had during that time, it was linked to a strand of music called Rockabilly around that time. You had younger people who took on some of the teddy boy clothing and so on and so forth. And uh, what I found really interesting about these articles on punk... Was a lot of ordinary Joes, you know, if you went either side of me and spoke to the neighbours, particularly, you know, this side, they would remember punk and they'd think of it with absolute revulsion, saying what violent individuals they were. But actually, generally, punks weren't particularly violent, but they were really heavily preyed on. By other youth groups who were around at the time, particularly skinheads yeah, and uh, and National yeah. Front people and so on. Um, and in one of these articles I was reading, this this guy who'd just been beaten up, and his girlfriend had intervened and saved him. He he lived on a council estate, and he he went up to a couple of these guys who'd, who'd beaten him up and said, "Hey, you know, think about it. I'm I'm really just like you. You know, I'm kind of anti-capitalist." Um, I want to kind of overthrow the state and blah blah, and no, I don't like the conditions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They they didn't see it. They just said basically, "Fuck off, to us, you're a puffer." Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's always been the case because yeah. when we were growing up, it was the Moshe's, Chav, Scally divide, and then even once again, like as a mosher, I had people asking me why I like to drown cats because there's wow. this stigma that you wow. know Moshe's would go round drowning cats, stepping on hamsters. Where did that come? Some weird act, Scott no, Slipknot. Scott. Or well, I think ones like Marlon Manson and stuff. Ah, right? With uh, you, yeah, because I guess being with a Mosher, you. you were almost like a subcult of the goths. Yeah, with you. But yeah, like yeah, but we were always preyed upon, weren't we? And once yeah. again, it's like well, because you've got long hair. Yeah, it was literally just long hair, and yeah, you would get called a girl and stuff. Okay, yeah, well,
1: that's yeah, yeah. Because I remember, um, well, you saw it a little bit in with Nail and I. Uh, A little bit. All those those guys didn't particularly have long hair. And it's very, very, very low-level prejudice. I mean, as a long hair or a freak... In the seventies, life could be made very difficult for you, and you—probably, you pro- if you—if you, if you, you know, didn't use your instincts, you probably could get a good smacking. Oh yeah, yeah, just for simply looking slightly different. Well, I say, like, I always remember
0: because on Irby in Manchester, that's where all the say the moshes and goss would congregate, and sometimes Chads would sort of essentially almost go hunting there. That's right, yeah, they, yeah, hunting. Like, yeah, we'd yeah, call yeah. it a moshy
1: bashing. Yeah, let's go and hunt the pansies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, you see, that's that's kind of interesting. Interesting in itself, how certain styles and certain likes would be perceived as being effete, effeminate. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, because rock and roll was quite hard edged. It was very very rhythmic. It was very driven. Interestingly, around that time, the um, British. Musicians' Union was very, very strong. And one of the reasons the American invasion didn't happen sooner than it did was because British musicians wouldn't allow non-members to play. Huh. I think I've got that right. And also, I, I might have got this one wrong. I think it was a bit of an embargo on even American instruments being sold. Are you with me? Yeah. Interestingly, so you couldn't buy a strat A lot of these instruments are american aren't they yeah you, you uh, gibsons and your fenders and so on so the american bands i guess i'd have to ask andy a bit more about this they're talking about technology they probably had better gear ah, you with me yeah you know this stuff possibly wasn't manufactured very much in the uk because i remember even you know in the hippie days if you watch ten bands, you know, five American and, and five British, the American bands always seemed to have a far higher level of musicianship. They seemed mm, to be much more proficient Yeah, in a funny sort of way. But what you had, to, you know, I've just told you about this DIY ethos, you know, starting with Davarot making his own drum kit. If you speak to people like your Uncle Tony, he would have been an early adopter of rock and roll but of course the problem you had was there wasn't really an, an English version so what you what you had around that time was what was called Skiffle yeah. have, you, have you heard of Skiffle no, no,
0: I've not heard of Skiffle
1: you've heard of Skiffle no. uh, and Skiffle was you know again a I think why Skiffle is interesting it was basically uh, DIY music you know it's basically three chord stuff and if you speak to Tony who is now what knocking on 80 I suppose isn't he I think Exactly. Not far off Aspiring rockers like him They would go out and they'd get a tea chest Yeah, Back in back in the day, if you were packing or whatever All the tea that came to Britain came in these massive wooden tea chests And you could get a tea chest and I guess a broom handle And a few bits of probably fishing line, something like that And you could make a basic double base oh, we with. yeah, you. yeah. In those days, you most of the washing, although people did have washing machines, they were quite basic, you had what was called a washboard. Oh, yeah. I feel like stuff like this now is always referenced in like a hillbilly joke. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the, these people like Tony, uh, you know, you'd have your washboard and, and you'd have your tea chest. And pro- probably you'd have one lucky guy who'd maybe have a little guitar, little acoustic guitar. <laughs> they used to form little bands like that. And in, in Britain, it, it seems quite twee in comparison. I mean, if you if you would have switched on the radio back in in the day when I was probably 9, 10 years old, I guess, you had people like Lonnie Donegan. And Lonnie Donegan's big song, it was called Rock Island Line, which was really good. And, and Lonnie Donegan, if you listen to... some some of the you know great guitar heroes of, of my youthful era you're talking uh, obviously Jimmy Page and Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton they often refer to Ronnie Woody at, at Christmas you know where somebody would buy them a guitar for a present and along with the guitar would be Lonnie Donegan's song <laughs> yeah yeah that's where people that's where those guys learned it and you had people like Joe Brown and back in back in the day, if you wanted equipment, in, interestingly, I heard a guy talking about it on TV the other night. Or even if you wanted a radio or anything like that, you rented it. So when I when I was a kid, we rented the radio. You know, you paid um, you know a little bit of money each week from radio rentals. <laughs> it was called, yeah. So then you had Tommy Steele. Have you heard of any of these guys? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Tommy yeah. Steele does ring a Tommy pile. Steele was uh, Rock with the Caveman, I think it was called, and. What happened following Bill Haley? You had individuals like Buddy Holly. These are real seminal figures. You had Eddie Cochran, yeah, Gene Vincent. Yeah. I mean, I think Gene Vincent were. I think. I think he was a bit classic, you know, because these guys, you see, particularly Gene Vincent, as I remember, they they were into leather stuff like that because. I think what you had, obviously, for the first time, in a way, you had a, a coming together of cinema and music. So you had Rock Around the Clock, but you also had Elvis, who obviously appeared in films, yeah. p- pretty crap films, I guess. <laughs> um, you had um, Marlon Brando, who didn't sing, but even, even the less, uh, you, you've seen pictures of Marlon Brando. Yeah. I mean, you thought, yeah. you, you, I think it's called The Wild Ones, wasn't it? That's a of a, a biker. Mm. Yeah, movie. And then, of course, you've got James Dean. Yeah, so you put, you put all this kind of stuff in the mix. You've got Elvis, you've got Marlon Brando, you've got James Dean, you've got Gene Vincent. You've got a completely cool kind of subset of individuals who play really kind of hard-driving rock music I, I don't think it would have been called rock at the time if you look at the um, if you read the biographies of these guys it's amazing where their influences come from they come from they co- probably come from blues they come from jazz they come from country and western even from gospel stuff like that, that that's that's what I think rock music pop music is it's, it's kind of mongrel bastard mm, of yeah. music do you know what I'm yeah. saying a, a load of influences Louisiana blues and so on and so forth but um what you had in britain the people who were producing this music they obviously knew that there's a lot of money in it it's all about the money in the end so so you had these very 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 ordinary guys who were called harry and and steve and so on and so forth they suddenly had names these are the british ones like billy fury (laughs) Yeah. yeah Yeah, you heard of Billy Billy Fury. You had Marty sound like a
0: made up name.
1: You had Marty Wilde. I've heard of Marty Wilde. Yeah, Yeah. Marty Wilde. I think his daughter was quite big, maybe in the nineties. Kim Wilde.
0: Yes, Kim Wilde. Well. Oh, yeah. Kim I mean, Wilde, well, that,
1: that's his daughter. And it, then you had other chances, like, um, Vince Eager. Great name, isn't it? Vince Eager. I don't know what happened to him. But around the same time, just to give you a bit of history here, in, in, in Liverpool, you had a, a lot of bands one of them was called the Quarrymen and John Lennon and and Paul McCartney I think I'm right in saying they began with the Quarrymen so they yeah. were, they would have been into skiffle they would have been they into... were a skiffle band to begin with that's right and then it it, it developed I was talking to to Ollie a couple of nights ago, and uh, people of, of our tribe, if you want, a little bit like, it's not an exact uh, parallel, you know, the blur oasis thing mm, yeah. going on. Well, when we were kids, I'm talking about being, what, 13, 14, the big thing was between the Beatles and the Stones. Um, and you, you, I mean, I'm not saying you were one or the other, but for me, I, I, I really was more of a Stones man. You know, because I I think the Stones' music for me was much more angry. But I was saying, uh, and again, I'll talk about this much more later, uh, I think if if you were looking at real musical genius... I don't think anybody in the Stones was possessed of musical genius. I think the musical genius was probably John Lennon, I think he really really at a not an intellectual level. I think he really knew how to synthesize various influences and come up with something that was, you know, quite startlingly new. Yeah. Whereas the Stones, there's a whole podcast on this, were basically, you know, blues based, yeah, you know they were all their songs were really blues based um and which which been modified t v came in around this time you, you're getting my vibe here, yeah. so, so you had the technology behind the singles, you had the radio. But during the 60s, and it was still, these music programs were still heavily influenced by um, the Musicians' Union and so on and so forth. They really re- tried to push pop back, but it, but it didn't work. And you had programs like, you can check these out later, you had programs like 6-5 Special. <laughs> uh, and another one that, w- that was really popular was called Jukebox Jury. Uh, yeah, yeah. but mean, you, but, you, but you were really on a very, very meagre diet. If you were a kid and, and you liked music, you either went and bought the singles, you listened to Radio Luxembourg, and that more or less would have been it. But then the TV companies cottoned onto it, and Jukebox Jury, it, I mean, it sounds so dated now. You'd have four people on a panel. <laughs> yeah. And somebody, they played the record. Yeah. And then the panel would have to discuss <laughs> if it was going to be a hit or a miss, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So was. the miss would be a, <clears throat> yeah, that kind of thing, and and the hit would be, I think it'd probably be a bell or something like that. And occasionally, this is where it gets interesting, because I guess you're into the world of uh, pop stars as minor celebrities. Occasionally, when they played the record, the artiste would come on and they'd do a kind of pseudo-interview, and the artist would mumble through a few a few <laughs> words. It was pretty pathetic. But, you know, watching those programmes, they were still run by very straight, possibly jazz-influenced uh, ind- individuals. Um, and then, let me think, I think about 1958, you had another programme. It was called Oh Boy, yeah? You can check all these out later. Oh Boy, and that was much, that, that, that was much yeah. more hip. And... um for me I remember the big thing for me Was watching uh, a copy of Oh Boy And they had a band on called Johnny Kid and the Pirates Ooh. Johnny Kid and the Pirates And it's a great song now you want, to, you want to play it later And their song was called Shaking All Over <laughs> It's an excellent name for a band yeah. Shaking all over I bet we probably heard it <laughs> I I did It's, it's a got I, a great yeah. It's like, got a great riff But I, I think all those kind of Early influences actually led to the Beatles, and then I think the Beatles led you into what would be, if you want, the golden age of pop. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you, you I don't know. Maybe you want to finish at this juncture. Golden um, age of pop. <laughs> and we, we can start. We're into the early '60s now. Yeah. Yeah. Top of the pops. That's what. Top like of the, the pop. pops. Amazingly, began. Do you, do you know what? Yeah. Top of the pops began. Can you guess? It's much earlier than you think. I'm going to say 68. 64. Oh. 64. Okay. And the, I think the very first Top of the Pops were hosted by He Who Dares Not Speak His Name. Oh, J- yeah. JS. Um, yeah, the cigar yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. Oh, well, I think I remember it. it yeah, said, yeah, yeah. Now. yeah. And when I first came to Manchester... Uh, I used to live in Fallowfield, and we used to go along a road called Dickinson Road. And the Top of the Pop Studios were long gone, but uh, they were at the bottom of Dickinson Road.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: And then I think later, the Top of the Pop Studios, possibly, I don't know, moved to Granada Studios yeah, exactly. or something like that. But are you getting the picture here? You, you, you had... The the emergence of better instruments, you had the emergence of a, a distinct British sound, yeah? Yeah. You had a, a market for singles, and you were coming now into the LP land, you see, because that's what would have made the Beatles... For example, one example, quite uh, not revolutionary, but the Beatles' first LP, I think, would have been around '64. I would have thought. I'm, I might be wrong. '63, '64. But you, you had that concept for young people of not just having the singles, but you could ha- you could construct a whole you know, seven or eight song set on, on an LP, which was, you know, so it's, it's weird for you guys because, you know, I mean, vinyl is, is old hat, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, it's made a research. Well, yeah, it's so making
0: but... a research now. I think when we were growing up, it was
1: yeah. the age of the CD, yeah. wasn't it? Oh, no,
0: tape. The age of, we were, we were tape. Yeah, tape. It was a wine, pencil and wine oh, yeah. then, I saw it in wine. Like oh, yeah. Using think... a pencil to... Yeah, like, I, I guess one question I want to ask you, Dan, I could be jumping ahead in your little fan speech. Well, like, what ballpark you in in, like, how in this day and age, you know, even with the podcast, people can make music essentially from their bedrooms. That's true, yeah. Because probably a lot of DJs now started off in the bedroom just using programmes like what we're using now. Yeah,
1: well, you know, this really brilliant series on uh, Sky Arts at the moment, Guy Garvey, you know, the guy from Elbow. He's been given access to the ITV archive and each program. He's like me, he's a massive music fan with, you know, quite a good knowledge. Um, And the program I was watching last night was uh, 1988, I think it was, and what, what you had around that period, jumping ahead, you had the technology, you know, earlier on you had Moog synthesizers and so on and so forth and um, tape loops, are you you with me? You could actually create music without being able to particularly proficiently play an instrument Um, and around that era I I was really into uh, human league and um, although I never saw them I I was really into craft work and I don't know if you know the craft they were German obviously and uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the craft work cover but they could basically I I would have thought even then do a set and not be present (laughs) do you know what I mean? It was all pre-recorded yeah. and so on and so It's like, that's what I imagine, you know, the
0: band Gorillas now, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, it's just animated. I mean, there could be someone playing behind the scenes, but I bet they could just get away with putting on a videotape and playing. Yeah, they, playing. they definitely can. But I was just curious now, because I know there's a lot of stigma now, you know, from a lot of the old people that think it's not music, because... You can do it so easily. That's an
1: interesting one, isn't it? I mean, just to recap, I think, um, you know, pop music was a product that was tailored for teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, during my era, you had, if you want, the invention of the, of the teenager. And um, it was the only form of music that appealed to the baby boomers. Because you, you were caught between kind of childhood and adulthood. Are you with me? Yeah. At, at a peculiar juncture because the war the war was over. Um and that, you know, from previous podcasts, my only recollection of war is the odd story you'd hear and the odd kind of uh, bit of waste ground that was obvious you know I remember I told you about Birmingham, didn't I? Parts mm, yeah. of Birmingham, even in the sixties. But the other the, the other important feature of this is People during the '60s, generally, you, you had industry manufacturing was very very big, and people, particularly young people, had more money. It, it, do you know what I mean? A, a lot of the pop boom was driven by having more cash in your pocket. Yeah, you know, people could afford these these little luxuries. Yeah, imagine yeah. even affording to go to a gig and. Yeah. Well, the gigs. I mean, amazing. I I, I was looking at the uh, early punk stuff last night, and uh, you could get, you could get into a gig for six shillings. Something like that, six shillings, which is 30p, I think wow. I'm about to say. Yeah, six shillings for oh, like, 100 quid to go yeah. and the yeah. Ed Sheeran yeah. right at the yeah. back yeah. of the MEN. And uh, I, I want to spend a load of time talking about various clubs uh, I used to go to, particularly the Mothers Club in, in Erdington, because at one time, you know, Billboard in the States, uh, the Mothers Club was regarded as the number one music venue in the world. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you know wow. what Americans are like for for middle of the road music. Yeah. Because it, it was a place where oddly, really big acts like Led Zeppelin and the Who <laughs> played um, stuff like that. Oddly, just just to finish on the Pirates, uh, the Pirates who were um, kind of proto rock and rollers. They reformed during the punk era. Oh really? And I actually saw the Pirates, Johnny Kidd and the Pirates, <laughs> a couple of times. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, they were, Um, actually. But just rockers. Yeah. Just rockers. Yeah, it it, it was really good. Okay, shall we... Oh, yeah, I was going to talk to you about uh... Chuck Berry. He was massively influential. A lot of the early um, Stones and Beatles stuff was very Chuck Berry-based. And I think I can't go without um, having a reference... Two. Can you guess who I've missed out here? Who was really sexy and really...
0: <laughs> My music knowledge is now. I'm not, I'm not even going to attempt it.
1: The Rock and Roll no. Hall of Fame. Oh, you had Jerry Lee Lewis, of course. No. Jerry Lee Lewis. No, I name. You have to guess. Black <laughs> artist, <laughs> oh, wow. massively influential. Not Chuck Berry. Oh no. Um. um
0: Louis Armstrong. Wasn't no, uh, I'm l- racking my musical knowledge. <laughs> my, I, mine's like one filing cabinet. There we go. No. Louis Armstrong. That's like, all I know. You have to tell us.
1: I'll tell you next time, Sean. Yeah, shall I?
0: <sighs> <laughs> yeah I'll tell you next tees. time. Oh, I feel like that's a good excuse for a tweet. Yeah, tweeting yeah. your answers. Yeah, yeah. Do you want me to tell you. <laughs> no, 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 because no, 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 man, right, right. I'm I'm curious to know what. But he, all he all I mean he.
1: Not my bag, but I mean, he was really pushing the bowtie in terms of sexuality and movements and so on. Yeah. No, like I said, like I said I'm
0: definitely curious for this to twist yeah. just just to see. I'm Plus the
1: fact of... he was black, because I I I think the thing about Elvis Presley was he was basically. If you if you if you didn't know what he looked like, he was singing like a black person.
0: Oh yeah, like I'm
1: sure there probably was some comments about. And, and basically, I mean, if you wanted to be unkind, an awful lot of uh, pop and and rock music was you know the the current word is cultural appropriation, isn't mm. it, or misappropriation? Everything I've mentioned, where all these influences come from, your jazz, your your blues, etc., it's all American, basically, but it's also black American. Yeah. It's amazing. And I think, you know, which is where we'll start next time, if it's okay with you. I, I think what, um, you know, your Beatles and your Stones and all those bands around those that era did, they started off playing this kind of bluesy type stuff, and then they modified yeah. it to suit a much wider audience interesting stuff okay Yeah, we'll end
0: yeah. it there so yeah I guess everyone that's a call out to you send in your theories on what this missing artist is you can do that on twitter at a with peter or if you're not on there feel free to email in your answers to a pipe peter at gmail.com I've got an idea of who it is but I'm not going to say I'll, I've done a google I will admit Chris has cheated so he's not in in line for, for mm. the prize which is a non-existent prize don't <laughs> get your hopes up well everyone we'll leave it there and on to the next
1: one see you next time